Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, my name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James. Welcome to the latest edition of the podcast that is brought to you by the abuse team. I'm joined today by my colleague, Danielle Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome to this podcast Lucy Pincott and Shiana Petelmaster from Yours in Scouting. And in this podcast, we are going to be talking about the work of Yours in Scouting. And as you've probably gathered, we're going to be talking about scouts. And given the general sort of theme for these podcasts, we're going to be talking about sexual abuse and abuse matters generally. And of course, this, of course, can be very troubling and upsetting. So if you think this is not a podcast for you, then now's the time to switch off, go away, make a cup of tea or do something else. Otherwise, please do stay with us. So having given the sort of general introduction, I'm going to hand over to Danny, whose idea it was to have this particular podcast. So over to you, Danny. Thanks, Alan. So yes, our listeners um, will know we, we cover a range of topics. And over the last couple of weeks, scouts have come into the news again. Anyone that works in this area is no doubt probably done some scouts sexual abuse cases. The BBC ran with a headline, scouts millions paid out over the UK, over UK abuse in the last 10 years, says lawyers. During this, obviously, there were, there were some interviews and yours in the scouting, our two guests here with us today um, were, were two people that gave their accounts of what has happened. And from this has been some awareness raised as yours in scouting and the aims that they're going to be doing. And I was looking at this and think this is a fantastic organisation. So the reason for this podcast today is that anybody's listening, they can have some further information and awareness of how this has come about, experiences so far and, and what's going to be going on in the background and hopefully for the future aims for change and also anyone that's listening at the end of this podcast we, we always follow it up with a blurb I will be putting in all the contact details so if you want to reach out to yours and scouting that will be available to you. As Alan's already said we are joined by Lucy and Shiana so Lucy how did you become involved in yours in scouting? Hi yes yeah, so I'm Lucy I became involved in yours and scouting me and Shiana have, have set this up together I think Shanna's done a lot more of the setting up than I have, but um, we've, we've both been working on this together and we met through Twitter a few years ago, having both had very similar experiences, you know, trying to deal with the Scout Association because we'd both been abused as children whilst part of it. We started kind of chatting and realised we had a, a huge amount of very, very similar experiences mm -hmm. with them and some really consistent issues. And we started kind of thinking we'd both been thinking separately, but we started kind of discussing about, you know, if this is happening to us, this can't be isolated. We need to start looking at what we can do. Um, and I know I was already looking at, at what I could do. And Shanna was a bit ahead of me and had already started developing this website, which was fantastic and a fantastic idea to get people to 
share their stories of abuse and to highlight that this is a systemic issue. And Shiana, what sort of things, problems, so Lucy's obviously touched on problems. What sort of problems were you facing with the Scout Association? Hi, thanks for having me. So yeah, I'm Shiana. I helped found Wilson Scouting with Lucy. The reason I started building the website in the first place was because I'd gone public in the press about my abuse because the Scout Association were refusing to actually like safeguard any kids locally where I used to live the man that abused me killed himself and after that happened they kind of tried to batten down the hatches so I went public because I was worried that it had happened to other kids and their parents wouldn't even know to check on them because no one knew anyone else had come forward and then that kind of sparked me then going a bit back and forth with the scouts in a complaint process and an appeal process and it was like quite a long drawn out thing it probably took about six months and I found that through their complaint and appeals process it was incredibly defensive it was a bit like I did a bit of work a while back with like a high court judge doing like case drafting and it was kind of like doing that you were kind of just dis- having to dispute every single thing they wrote and argue back about it and I think towards the end of it I was like look like I'm finding this really hard and I've actually done this at work before if you were anyone else who hadn't done that before like you would really struggle to get through their complaint and appeal process to get them to actually change anything. And then I started asking around a bit more and was like, okay, this can't have just happened to me. What happens when people try and put a complaint and appeal in, get an outcome, maybe get some upholds, but actually the scouts then don't do anything. You can't make them do anything. You're just one individual. And the answer I was getting back a lot from the scouts was, yes, these are really interesting points, but they are, you know, it's one isolated incident. They're not connected to others internally I was like I know that's not true like I know other yeah. people who were abused in the scouts I know Lucy's been abused in similar ways there's no way it's just me and then I was having a chat with a lawyer who um, works in abuse cases from Boltbird and Kemp and she I asked her like is there any group of people who like were abused in the scouts where like you know either just for support but also for trying to see how big the problem was and she turned around and told me there was nothing and I was like well that seems ridiculous like that's something we can do like it worked for everyone's invited and if we could get a place that had tons of testimony from uh, like around the country from different times from different people then we could prove to the scouts that this isn't isolated individual cases and this isn't yeah. a historic problem. Sorry to interrupt but surely the scouts know that anyway it's difficult to say what what they think of the situation at the moment. We, everyone we've kind of spoken to has feels that they've been led to believe that they're an isolated case. Yeah, sure. That's the the line that a lot of people are being being offered by the scouts, and because of that, it's very difficult to get them to make you know overall action because yeah. they're saying each case is isolated. And the yeah. systemic issue is, is, we feel, isn't being recognised. Right, yeah, OK. Sorry, I was just going to say one of the things in abuse is that you, you both have come forward and, and you've pushed and you've pushed against the scouts. But there'll be many people that either will never come forward just because, you know, they just, they just can't face it or other issues for, for many reasons why they won't come forward. But people may have got that response and then just gone, you know, I, I can't face fighting this. So, you know, we always say that abuse survivors coming forward it's just the tip of the iceberg and so from from my 
perspective it's fantastic if you're pushing the boundaries on this on rape crisis they talk about on their website they've got statistics of how many people come forward about being abused and you know we've got 57 stories on the website now and if and there it was kind of i'm sure it was less than five percent they predict will come forward and talk about abuse yeah if that's less than five percent what are we looking at here? We just, what really, really concerns me, obviously, we'll never know the full scale of it. But if we look at the data that's out there and what we are, the evidence we are collecting from people's stories that they're sharing with us, this is a, a really, really big issue. Like we've also only been running for a few weeks. Like that's yes. 57 stories in less than a month. And yeah. the other thing that I think is interesting about Alan, your question about what do the scouts know or do they not realise this already? I've had several conversations with their chief safeguarding officer and their CEO, and they often will say that obviously we know that we had really bad safeguarding issues, but we had a review by a QC in 2014. We've completely changed our system. It's not the same. Scouts is not the same organisation that you experienced when you were a young person. And then if you look at the 57 stories we've had in, 20% of them are from after 2014. But on our own, we couldn't prove that. Because my abuse happened in what, 2011? I was 2006. So, yeah. And the, the thing was with mine as well, which I felt backed up the post 2014 issue was when I went to them, it was 2018. And the way they dealt with it in 2018 felt like a separate period of, of abuse and traumatization from mm-hmm. them because of, you know, the way, the, how difficult it is to get them to deal with it and to get them to listen to you and even kind of even now I don't feel fully satisfied I eventually forced them into doing an external review they refused and refused and refused saying there was no more to be found from their own internal inquiry when we got this external inquiry commissioned by them after using evidence from the the subject's access request we got from them they came back with something like 20 something different points of things that they recommended the scouts would do the scouts have told me these are in place but however from other survivors we've talked to they're saying if these have been put in place I wouldn't have experienced what I have now so we know potentially these reviews are happening and the scouts maybe feel like they're putting them in place are saying that they're putting these changes in place however what we're being told doesn't correlate with that so that's even not even just the period of abuse it's how they're dealing with people and causing that re-traumatization of people which is i think getting on to a question you're about to ask alan which was what do we actually want and that is where are we going with all of this well part of what we want is that if you think about schools or daycare centers or after school centers like you can't run those without them being inspected because having kids in your care is a massive responsibility. Like, I can't think of another bit of society where you've got an institution that is taking kids away overnight, over weekends, over holidays, and they're not really accountable because if this was a school and Lucy had had the safeguarding review happen and they hadn't, they may not have acted on the recommendations put forward they're inspected. So the next time an inspection comes around, they haven't done those or implemented those changes. They're actually accountable to someone and the scouts aren't. That's interesting because some people I know, um, more or less neighbours, they don't live all that far away from me. The other weekend, they were their little lad who must be aged about eight or nine, I guess, was going on camp for the weekend. For, well, you know, that's, that's nice, they, uh, from what they were telling me. And 
dad was going to spend the night in order to keep his lad company. And I thought, well, that's nice. Um, you know, that probably didn't used to happen in days gone by. And um, I thought, yeah, that's an improvement on, you know, the situation, you know, decades ago when kids would go off camping and, you know, we'd, you know, we 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 end up hearing the the horror stories. But then I thought, on the hell, all of that is sort of checked out from a safeguarding point of view they might be thinking well actually by having the parents come along for the for the nights that solves a particular safeguarding issue but on the other hand they might not actually know who these people are who are turning yeah, that policy opinion that all those parents would need dbs checking dbs check and he says you know only flags Mm. up things that have already been caught Mm. but again is is a layer of deterrence for people but it's it's saying like you know it's if they didn't DBS check everyone that shows that they aren't fully compliant with you know with safeguarding and aren't following the, the procedures for taking you know accepted procedures of of you know what parents expect. I got well, to I, I don't know. I didn't assume because it wasn't part of the conversation. Um, yeah. But you know there would have been DBS checks. I let's work on the basis that there were DBS checks. So if, but if even there were... if there were DBS checks, I'm just sort of thinking. Well, actually, they're sort of solving maybe one safeguarding issue, but by creating another, could you, be creating another. Hmm. And it's not a. There's never going to be a perfect answer, right? No. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't in any institution, be that schools or scouting or football clubs, yeah. you can't tell who is going to offend before they offend. But what you can do is be more proactive, so you can look at patterns. So we know that the scouts have a system for logging complaints at a national level that are made about leaders and they don't proactively do anything with them and then in my case when I reported this particular leader they went and checked the database and they were like oh big surprise there's a load of low an unusually high number of existing or previous complaints about him they see that a lot whenever they go and check it because of a specific report they find that there's a spike they don't proactively use that data to go and try and I don't know like talk to the 10 leaders who have the biggest spikes in each county in the country and try and work out why and maybe see if there's an issue before mm-hmm. it's too late. And it's that level of proactiveness that scouts just don't do. Their answer is we follow the letter of the law, we DBS check everyone. What else could you possibly want us to do? Which I don't think is good enough when you're taking kids away overnight. No, it's a privilege to work with children and to take children away. And they're doing something that should yeah. be enriching those children's lives. You know, they're being interested to do something that isn't mandatory for those children. When, as a parent, when you send your child to school, you're accepting that you do. You're doing something the government says you have to do, and you know you know you need to do for your child's basic mm. welfare and so they can live their life when you send them to scouts you're hoping that that's going to enrich their life and further benefit them and to find out that actually you know you've done something electively that you thought would enrich your child's life that's ended up taking away in such a dramatic way is obviously terrible for the child but is is awful for the parents Mm. as well and it's finding out you know what we can do to make this as difficult as possible for people to get in there's always going to be an element of risk no matter what you do in life there is an element of risk but we need to make it so not we but the scout association need to make it so difficult to become a scout leader if you are 
in it for the wrong reasons that it's not worth doing yeah so as individuals and as society and whether it's government or institutions it's all about managing risk and we'll come on mm. to talk about Absolutely. maybe mandatory mandatory reporting and how whether mm. that has a role to play later on but this information that you are gleaning which is obviously rich in detail and and so on a good rich resource do you think you're getting clues out of that data that yes and other other organizations working with children ought to be thinking about or ought to be doing definitely we're starting to see a lot of patterns so if i try and think about the biggest ones off the top of my head like a big pattern that is coming out is abuse where adults are deliberately exploiting kids they know who are they know are already vulnerable so we've had yeah. quite a few posts from or stories shared from people who's like parents were divorcing or their family yeah. was going through a rough time or someone passed away or they were being already being abused at home their scout leaders picked up on it and then exploited their vulnerability that's a really big one and that doesn't just apply yeah. to the scouts the but families other- issue as well families and friends yeah. of sorry Shen, i've just interrupted you i imagine this is what you're about to say but the scouts groups are quite often run by very close-knit families and friendship groups and quite often people may be picking up on things or people are going to children are going to people and saying you know this awful thing's happening to me but the person they're going to is the brother sister best friend you know cousin of whoever they're reporting and unfortunately that that doesn't lead in a lot of the cases to the report being actioned in the way it should be which is part of the reason we want that person whose role and job is to do the reporting because that gives them that extra layer of reporting and, and for me when we're talking about mandatory reporting you know this will still be a risk people are more likely to report it with mandatory reporting but that's enough that's still a risk if people are thinking this is my brother that I've got to report on it's going to be harder to pass that information on thank you for listening to this episode of HJ talks about abuse you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes Spotify or your favorite podcast player if you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.